Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed. Welcome to the At Work in America show. My name is Steve Bowes. I'm joined by Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Steve. How are you? I am well, thank you. We have a great show today. We're diving into talent management, engagement, retention, culture, all those big, important HR topics with one of, I'll say it right now, one of my favorite brands, one of America's favorite brands, at least for me, Enterprise Holdings which, oh my God, I must have rented enterprise cars like a hundred times probably in the last 10 years. I'm not even kidding. I love it. And, uh, but I love to get behind the stories of organizations and brands that we've worked with. So uh, it'll be great to talk to uh, our guests from enterprise here in a second. Which I want to thank our friends at Paychex, of course. Uh, of course. Help, uh, help make this show possible and help, uh, help us have all these great conversations. This episode of At Work America is sponsored by Paychex one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. As the workplace continues to evolve, businesses are being forced to adapt and innovate to meet these challenges. Paychex's fifth annual Workforce Trends Study will help you understand the top business challenges and help you set your strategic priorities. You can get this new report, 2023 Priorities for Business Leaders, Trends, Insights, and Ideas for an Evolving Workplace, to learn about the challenges facing businesses like yours and how you don't have to go it alone. Visit paychecks.com slash A-W-I-A to get that report today. So thank you to our friends at Paychecks. All right, Trish, let's welcome our guest. She's waiting patiently for us. Uh, our guest today is Shelly Reuther. He is the Senior Vice President of Human Resources at Enterprise Holdings, where she has worked for over 20 years. She leads the global HR team, to attract and retain talented individuals, ensuring the company's culture aligns with its mission. Prior to joining Enterprise, Shelley worked as a partner at McMahon Burger, specializing in labor and employment law. Okay, this will be good. I, lo- I love a little labor and employment <laughs> law conversation. She holds a bachelor's degree and a Juris Doctor degree from the University of Missouri. Shelley, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you both? We're fantastic. Trish, we've got a fantastic HR leader from St. Louis, and now you're not in St. Louis. You've only talked about St. Louis for the last 15 years on this show. I know, I know. So St. Louis, born and raised, but yes, uh, coming to you live from Lincoln, Nebraska this morning, where my children go to college. But yeah, so no, obviously, uh, you mentioned using enterprise yourself. Being a St. Louis girl, you always support the St. Louis businesses, no matter what. So yes, Enterprise is my uh, not only rental car of choice, but I've even purchased cars from Enterprise. So there's that angle as well. So yeah, we're glad to have you on the show. I know. We're not going to talk specifically about the the rental car business, Shelly, too much. I'll cover that on my other podcast, kind of rental car today. But uh, I just want to say... <laughs> I've had great experiences there time after time after time. And maybe we will start there, though. Like I'm talking about just the courtesy, the customer service, the attention to detail from one of the many thousands of locations where you can rent a car. Uh, I just feel like it's been consistent. It's been exemplary. And even obviously something sometimes things go wrong in this in that business. Right. In any business. I've never been disappointed with the service I've gotten. Maybe we'll start there, Shelly. I'd love from your perspective as the HR leader at a company like Enterprise, 
how you guys think about, hey, how do we really find and develop the right people to really deliver that kind of customer service on a consistent basis? Right, Steve. Well, I'm glad. And Trish, I'm glad that you both had great experiences. That's what we live for, right? Customer service is our way of life. And it's really important as we frame our talent mobility to make sure that we are delivering on that promise. So how do we do that? Talent management, finding the right people, putting them in the right seats of the bus, right? We talk about that all the time in HR. And, um, you know, our focus is really on our employee value proposition, Right. And that is, you know, how do we provide an engaging, inclusive workplace that's purpose driven and affords our employees the opportunity to thrive, grow and advance? And when you can offer that, then they are motivated every day. They are inspired every day. We have a huge teamwork culture. And I think that's what you're seeing when you are in the rental branches getting served. You know what, I'm glad you mentioned that to start the show, because I think we hear a lot about the employee experience, which is certainly important, but I feel like the employee value proposition is a little bit different twist on that, right? It's not just, are you giving someone a good experience? It's, are you really helping them see the value in what they're doing and why they're doing it? And so I'd love to even hear your perspective even a little deeper on that, because, you know, when Steve's talking about even if something goes wrong, he's still getting exemplary service from, you know, people who are connected to the work they're doing. I don't think we see that everywhere. Could you talk about, like, how did you come up with maybe the employee value proposition you have or or what are some of your thoughts with you and your team or the other leaders there as you as you even think about what that is for your employees? Yeah, you know, when when we all experienced the pandemic and what that did to organizations and culture and people, you know, we had our challenges just like everyone else. And, and that pandemic really prompted renewed calls for flexibility, empathy, resilience, right? of our folks. And, but the tension in that is that we must also run the successful organization that delivers world-class customer service. And it's up to leadership to resolve that tension. So we knew that we needed to offer flexibility and purpose because purpose, Trish, you asked about that. That's what we've learned is most important to our worker of today, right? Years ago, it was all about just compensation or pay or perks. And now we know that it's really important for folks to work for a purpose-driven organization where they understand what they're there to do and that they're working for an organization that's bigger than themselves, right? Something that delivers something good for the planet, good for the world, good for um, people around. And when you can focus and make the connection so that employees can see the purpose that they're driving, but also build into the culture opportunities so that they can fulfill purposes outside of their day job, right? Whether that's through foundation giving, whether that's through community involvement, whether that is through things like My Purpose, My Time, which is something that we rolled out relatively recently over the last few years where everybody gets a full paid day off to contribute to a charity or organization that they're passionate about, right? That's what we're talking about when we talk about purpose and purpose-driven. I love love those. uh, I love that context. And I really sort of setting out on this show today thinking about this, but I'm going to ask about it now because uh, of, of what you said about the employees valuing purpose maybe as it, more or at least as much as many, many of the traditional things, right? Obviously, 
to compete for talent, you've got to be competitive on compensation. You've got to offer a nice benefit package. You've got to, those things don't really change, but uh, is it a reflection, Shelley? I imagine a place like Enterprise that's got thousands of locations around the country and used to be anyway, in my knowledge, very famous from maybe being in the top five, maybe of companies in the United States who were hiring recent college graduates. There were always lots of them being hired. Is it a reflection of how this new generation of workers is making decisions around where they'd like to work and what they value in an organization? Is that shifting how you're thinking about some of these things? I think so. It hasn't changed our true core, and that is to go out and find inspired, motivating folks who want to learn um, a career but also to work for an organization. And I think, Stephen Trish, what's unique about enterprises, um, we often talk about not a, a corporate ladder, we talk about a corporate lattice. And what that means is you can go up, down, sideways um, in order to grow a career. We often talk about the fact that at enterprise, you can change careers without changing jobs, changing companies, right? So at enterprise, when you come in as a management trainee, um, we are there to inspire, develop, and coach and educate our employee on everything about the business, operationally, learn about the culture, but more importantly, learn about other opportunities within the organization. One of the strangest things that I have to share when I came here, Stephen Trish, and you remember from my bio, I'm a recovering lawyer, um, <laughs> as, as I came into HR, I realize I look around at our hundreds of HR professionals in this organization, and do you know where they all came from? With probably my exception, the management trainee program. Wow. So we build from within. And so you have opportunities within this organization, again, to change careers without leaving enterprise, to go into claims, marketing, communications, HR, operations, sales. And I think that's kind of where our sweet spot is. That's our differentiator, that internal mobility. I think, you know, we're all struggling. HR is struggling, right? The labor market is tough, right? Where everybody is competing for talent. And I think, Steve, you hit it on the head. Perks, benefits, those are just, they're expected. Yeah. So you have to give more. And I think, um, you know, the statistics show that employees who make internal moves are more likely to stay in an organization longer than those who just stay in the same role. Simple as that. Internal mobility improves your retention. And if you stay longer than two years and you've enjoyed some internal mobility, you're 75% more likely to stay. And the great news is the statistics back that up, but we've always been focused on the importance of internal mobility because it's what drives and fuels our business. We grow internally. I'm an odd one. I'm one who came <laughs> from the outside who never rented a car. Um, but I am an odd one. If you look at our executive team, you look at all of our leaders, they come from the management training program. You know, Shelly, one of the things as you're talking about that, obviously, there's huge value in, in what you're doing. But one of the maybe um, arguments people who work in organizations that aren't doing that might have is, you know, they feel very proprietary over that employee. So what I'd love to hear is obviously 
you're somehow alleviating that feeling that that your leaders have, right? If they're willing to maybe keep someone two years and then let them move on to a, oh, another whole department, right? If you're in HR and you get to move to marketing or finance or whatever, is there is there something that you do to kind of make that okay for the leaders? Because I feel like places I've worked, even in St. Louis, would have been very resistant to that, to giving up their person who's so good, right? To go on to something, even yeah. if it's best for the employee. How do you handle that kind of yeah, so friction? Hoarding, hoarding talent is what we might call Hoarding that. talent, yeah. That's what I was I, thinking. So there are some things that are culturally ingrained in what we do that that combats that tendency of managers to hold on. Number one, when you hold on to somebody in a place or in a seat on the bus, they're really not going to blossom in. They're going to leave you, right? Mm -hmm. But at Enterprise, oddly enough, um, we get promoted by promoting people. So in other words, when we put together our promotional packets, when we're throwing for opportunities, one of the things that we want to hear about is how you've developed, grown, and ported out your talent. When you see a new job promotional announcement in Enterprise where we're announcing someone who got a promotion, always included in that job promotional announcement is how many people that they have promoted out to other parts of the business, right? We matrix, and, and we are a very matrix-driven company, and how we develop our talent, not just talent, but also diverse talent, that's reviewed as well. So those are some of the more natural things that we look at. We also do it from a comms perspective, Trish. So for example, um, when we were coming out of the pandemic, as you mentioned earlier, communication was so important because people were so isolated. They were quarantined. They missed people. You know, Chrissy Taylor, our chief executive officer at that point, committed to quarterly town hall meetings. We were there visible. We wanted to get out with our people. Every time we have a town hall, we talk about our executives. We introduce somebody. We always use that opportunity with our global workforce to have them explain their career path, where they've gone, how many times they've gone, what divisions they've led. We talk about how important it is to be multifaceted. And that's how you grow because we're competency-based. We just don't pigeonhole people. If we see competencies that can stretch across other divisions, other lines, other areas, we're all in. But the most important thing is to know that if you want to get promoted here, you develop your people and you get them promoted out. I, you know what? I just want to say, Stephen, before we move into something else, that's brilliant because it sounds like it, it's a very simple concept, but that's so brilliant because a lot of what we struggle with is people will not do what they're not held accountable for. They just won't, right? If they're not measured against it. So what a great way to build that into your own. And I, I mean, I'm making notes like crazy. I love this idea of sharing that person's journey who's being promoted, how they got there, how many moves have they made in their in their career there. So again, it sort of shows anyone who might be newer to the organization, wow, they made all of these different moves and had all these different experiences. I could do the same thing, right? So what a great approach. Yeah, I think it's a great concept too. I, I, I'm i a huge sports person, Shelly. So I always think about some of, sometimes I always try to make sports analogies from some of these concepts. And there's there's a similar one in coaching, right? When you'll see a famous coach of a basketball team or a football team or something, and then they'll say the on a game like, oh, 
so many former assistants of this coach are now head coaches, right, at other teams, or they've moved on to other colleges and taken over programs. And that's right. That's thought as a great signal and a great sign of that coach is not just ability to coach a game, say, but also to develop talent, right? Which for organizations like enterprise, large organizations, national organizations, that pipeline of new leadership and, and people ready to take on more or take on different is, is certainly got to be very, very important just to keep keep talent where it needs to be at the right place at the right time, as you suggested uh, at the beginning of the show. Absolutely. It's really important, right, to sustain that internal mobility, especially as HR professionals are looking ahead to what this labor market is looking. If we look at, and now I'm going to, you know, get kind of techie, but, you know, declining birth rates, right, aging Mm -hmm. workforce, right? We are going to see pressures in the next decade or two that we've never seen before in terms of how our workforce um, is shifting, how those expectations are going to shift, and how we're going to deliver, right, on the purpose there. Um, you know, we we talked for probably the past 10 years. I, I can't imagine how many times in your podcast you've talked about Gen Z, millennials, right, the new workforce. And I'm like, hey, you know, 60% of our current workforce is neither Gen Z or millennials. So our preoccupation with the new generations is kind of misplaced in my view. I think we need to start expanding our focus on all of our workers and upskilling and reskilling and all those kinds of, of buzzwords that we're focused on. They're real. And we really need to be focused on them if we're going to continue to look to deliver in the years ahead. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you're right because especially if you're, I'm imagining maybe Gen X, like we are, um, we're not always focused on upskilling ourselves either. And so that we do focus on the younger generations and maybe wrongfully so, right? We should certainly put some effort and in, in feeling there into what we want to do. I think also our generation is probably the tail end of where we were still being told, or at least I was being told, you know, you you do take a job and that's your only job your whole life, right? And so I remember having that argument with my parents over, no, I'm probably going to have several jobs in my career. And they thought that was just horrible. How would we do that? So yeah, it's it's being told maybe what the way the world should be is one way, experiencing it a different way. And now we're having to adjust yet to new ways of thinking. So we're, we're a little bit in a tough spot being, if you're, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old right now in the workforce. Yeah, I, I think I heard just last week from BLS or SHRM that I think, you know, Americans over 55 are going to take roughly half of all new jobs created in the next decade. And if you think wow. about that, if you think about us, right, because I'm an Xer right along with you, mm-hmm. if you think <laughs> about that um, and how that's going to really prompt further evolution in the workplace, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, that's I'm fascinated by this. Just yesterday, Trish, I had not spoken to you about this. So, shall I do this other little show a couple times a week? It's just called the Workplace Minute. It's a two. Actually, sometimes they get a little longer. A three or four minute, just kind of workplace <laughs> news and stories that we publish. And the one that's going out on Thursday is about raising retirement ages. It, just some of the issues around that, because uh, you might have seen some of the things that are happening in France right now, where uh, the French government is attempting to raise the official retirement age in France from Oddly enough, from it's not very old. It's 62 currently. They want to make it 64, and there are, there's rioting in the streets of Paris, Trish, over this. But we're, we're forgetting that part for now. It's it's just more about some of the the, the thinking about 
how do we make workplaces a little more accommodating, a little more inclusive, a little more, if that's the type of work workforce, if workforce is going to get older, or we're going to try to create more opportunity for an older workforce, we got to really think intentionally about that, right? It's not, it's not as simple as just, oh, just, just hire older folks, right? There's more to it, which is, I think another beneath the surface thing, Shelly, you know, maybe something you guys are thinking about too. I don't know, but it's, it's interesting anyway. Well, we, we're always looking at ways that we can not only fuel our pipeline, right, with new entrants into the organization, but also, and I mentioned earlier, upskilling. So, you know, Steve, you, you talk about, um, you know, the changing expectations and what's going on with Macron and in France, but, you know, you think about it, it, it comes always down to the core, right? That employee value proposition that I started with, and, and that is focusing on the whole person, right? Um, wellness, inclusion, can we develop them? Are they engaged at work? Culture is really important in enterprise. Um, it's what you see, um, the enthusiasm in the branches, it's part of our culture. We recognize, we celebrate, um, all the time in our organization, um, purpose, and then of course growth. And and I think growth is is it means different things to different people. You know, we have our our employee brand, for example, is called Driven from Within. And what that what that's designed to speak to is not just our origins as a rental car company but also that it's your own personal journey, right? And your journey takes you where you want to go. It's our responsibility to give you the tools and the resources and the support and the leadership that you need to get there, but you take your journey. So this whole personal growth, organizational growth, career growth, um, mentorship, I think all of that plays such a key role in engaging and retaining talent. And I mean, all of us in the HR space, right, that we are uber focused on how do we attract, retain talent. So key. Yeah. Shelly, I have a question. You mentioned, you know, retaining the talent. So as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, if you are someone who's maybe been in the workforce several decades and never experienced a work environment where you really are valued and in a in a purpose-driven way like this, because many of us may not have experienced that in our careers yet. Um, what kind of feedback are you getting maybe from some of the workers who are in that older co cohort? Um, and secondarily, are you doing anything yet um, maybe specifically driven around their well-being um, that might be different than what a younger worker might need or want? Is that even a thought in this overall um, employee value proposition for you? It is. Um, you know, as we look, well, first, um, you know, every organization has its current challenges, has its, you know, items that they're focused on to overcome. I think for us, it, it's not been, we, we've stayed ahead on kind of the comp and the benefits and things, but for us, it's been wellness. And so you mentioned that, you mentioned kind of all employees of all segments, and that's been a, a real big focus. So we recently rolled out um, something called My EH Support, right, which is focused on wellness, but not the traditional mental wellness that we all think about, right? It's about physical wellness financial wellness, social wellness. So, and when you talk about everybody in the different genres and work, 
Um, financial wellness, for example, we're not just educating younger employees on the importance of saving and looking beyond next week um, to buy the <laughs> PlayStation, but think about 10 years from now, where do you want to be and what do you need to do? But also financial wellness for parents who are restructuring student debt or trying to pay off and help their children's um, uh, debt, right? So offering different vehicles that speak to different genres is very important. So that's the financial, social wellness, connecting in. We often go immediately to, okay, as a younger entrant to the workforce, maybe I need daycare help. But now we're talking about elder care. What do I do with my parents? I'm struggling with caring for parents, not just children. So it does require us to think broader scope right? And think about what is important to all these people um, collectively. And then the last point is, I, I mentioned it earlier, but upskilling. You know, we have a lot of employees. If you think about the industry, um, think about auto tax, think about the technical jobs are going to be lacking. We have a workforce full of employees who are dedicated, hardworking, they want to be challenged. They lack that technical skill. So we've developed and are piloting this program where we are delivering training for ASC certifications, right? So you can build up your technical certifications right here as part of your, your job. You can elevate and you can grow and see that career path. Again, driving internal mobility, building and upskilling current talent, right, for somebody who wants to continue to grow. And I think that's going to become increasingly important as we see the labor force shift. Yeah, Shelly, thank you for sharing that. And I, I wonder, just as a follow-up to that, is that a reaction to just the 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 challenges in the in the hiring environment? And the, or because I think I wonder if like some organizations, cynics might say, boy, if I help these folks achieve these certifications and upskill themselves, right? If I make that part of their their onboarding and trading and, and, and training that I may lose them. They will become more valuable to competitors, whether it's other companies in your space or adjacent companies, right? Those certifications are really probably valuable in the market. Do you, does the organization worry at all about that? Or, or I wonder how you just think about that or how you talk about it. I would phrase it this way. Um, it's our responsibility to create a world-class opportunity in a world-class organization to keep them, right? Yeah. Because if people get stale, they're going to leave. So our job and our commitment, and maybe that resonates, I think it does with our employees. They know we are committed. We want their journey, drive from within. We want you to grow. We want you to continue to grow, but we offer the opportunities for you to stay right here. And I think it's our responsibility to offer that right? To create that exceptional workplace we, where we don't have to worry about that, right? We want to stay competitive. We want to be the best. Um, and 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 we we work really hard to try to fight against that, Steve. Yeah. But I don't think that you can be afraid of that because I think the counter to that is you're never going to develop. You're never going to have an engaged workforce. You've got to go all in, right? And you've got to communicate that message. You have to listen to your employees. You have to hear what's on their mind. That's why we do, 
you know, our Gallup, we measure Q12. If you've talked about the Q12, um, the drivers for engagement, we measure that every year across our entire organization. We take those lessons and we listen and we learn and we develop action plans to roll those out. Um, and I think that that's what's important and an essential part of driving engagement and and driving strong retention. You know, I'm I'm finding wood to knock on, but we have record setting retention right now. It's never been higher wow. in our organization. Um, and we're proud of that, but we work hard at it. I think too, Shelly, when you're when you're thinking about really making sure your people are trained in that world-class level way, even if someone leaves, it's okay because they will go out into the world and see, most likely, that their next organization won't have that commitment. So I would imagine you probably also get a fair number of boomerangs, maybe even if they leave, right, that, that ultimately come back with that loyalty. Because I do think people don't want to leave their job. People really want and desire to stay, truly, if there's purpose and, and like you're saying, training and all those things, right? So do you have boomerangs that are coming back? Maybe they thought the grass was greener and they're like, actually wasn't. We do have boomerangs. And I say those are some of the best employee referral sources ever, right? To your point, Trish, they've gone and they've tested the water. They've seen and they have a comparison. So they do come back and they're strong. So boomerangs do play a role and um, and we love to have them back. They're a great vocal advocate for everything that is working within the organization. But we can't rest our laurels on that too either. You know, we we commit through our management training program, you know, through onboarding, through a nine-month roadmap that's focused on service, sales, operations delivering customer service. And, you know, I think when people follow that roadmap and they see the vision for what they're developing in their current role, but most importantly, during that time, we do our very best to show them what's available in other divisions. This is that anti-hoarding comment you talked about, right? right? (laughs) You have to be out and you have to showcase what's available. In new higher orientation, in fact, even though daily rental is our kind of bread and butter, it's where we bring our entrance into our organization, even during their new higher orientation week, we are exposing them to other divisions, whether it's truck, fleet, commute, car sales. And we invite these leaders in to show them opportunity abound. Just one way to continue to engage and keep the level of interest high within the organization. This has been a great kind of, I don't know, wide ranging kind of tour de force over some of the big talent management issues facing organizations today, specific, particularly large organizations. But I think they're, I think all the things Shelly talked about are applicable to really any size organization as they're thinking about engagement and retention and development specifically. I only had one more question. It's a little bit of a different one, Shelly. Some people like think the, you know, the invention of, you know, the iPhone was a big seminal moment in the development of our civilization. And it, maybe it was. Shelly, I want to know, do we know, can we identify the actual person, she or he, who developed, we will come and pick you up and take you to the enterprise facility to get your car if you need a car. Like, we'll come yes. to your house and get you. Is we there a person do. we could point to that says that was the person who <laughs> thought of that? 
Because I think that was a game-changing idea at the level of the iPhone, in my opinion. Can I tell you, that was an employee down in our Florida operations that developed that philosophy that has become our bread and butter all these years, <laughs> right? So when you when we talk about listening to our employees, we do. They come up with the best and the greatest ideas. So wow. yeah, that was homegrown out of a Florida rental branch and said, hey, we'll come pick you up. And here we wow. are. I just yeah, and you know what incredible. that speaks to, to the fact that your employees feel empowered then to make those kinds of recommendations that could be just completely business changing, right? But how brilliant that they felt like they could go ahead and do that and make that call. So well, good for also them. Also that the organization say, hey, let's try this, right? Because I right. imagine someone somewhere, probably, I don't know, Shelly, someone might have said, really, we'll go do that? That seems... <laughs> I don't know. Someone might have invented some reason why we can't do it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But sometimes that happens in organizations, right? When someone says, hey, I got this great idea. And other people feel Absolutely. like they have to say, oh, no, we can't do that. Absolutely. It's, you know, the entrepreneurship that's that's kind of, it's invested in our culture. It's ingrained in our culture. But, you know, we are, you often hear, if you talk, if you hear people talk about enterprise, we're very decentralized. We're a large organization made up of a number of small businesses led by tremendous leadership teams locally in the field. And they are given a lot of autonomy to come up with things just like what you talked about. Yeah, that's a great better. story. You got to be open to it, right? Sure. Yeah. Great stuff. This has been so much fun, Shelly. We could probably go on and on, which we, we shouldn't, right, to be respectful to to everyone's time. I think thank you so much for taking some time to share just some of the some of the great work you guys are doing there at Enterprise, some of the philosophies, how you're engaging with talent, how you're developing talent. It, it sounds like a fabulous place to work. I will throw out there uh, careers.enterprise.com. I spent a little time on there this morning. Like there's literally a couple thousand open positions around the country listed on that site including one in tampa florida i had my eye on quite frankly trisha <laughs> we'd love to have you come I on i may board. submit for well i don't know if i'll cut i'll cut it there but i might submit because it looked just the locale looked fascinating uh shelly is there anything else you'd like to mention before we let you go uh today i just want to thank you for the opportunity to talk and to talk about this wonderful organization, um, it's easy to talk about what it stands for, um, starting with Chrissy Taylor and down through the entire leadership team, down to our employees and the local branches. I appreciate them. I appreciate what they do. And it's just a pleasure to get to talk about them with you today. So thanks for awesome. that. Thank you. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you so much, Shelly. We'll put the link, some links in the show notes. It's really, I'd encourage folks to read about a little bit of the story of enterprise too, going back to the founding back in the fifties, it's fascinating. And there was things in there I never knew. Right. And I thought I knew a little bit about this company as being a frequent customer over the years. And uh, so I learned a little bit as, as well, and it's a great story. It's a fascinating organization, really doing some wonderful things. And uh, Shelly's awesome. Thanks to her for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, Trish, thanks to our friends at paychecks, of course, without whom, Maybe none of this is possible, but uh, they're wonderful to us and we thank them. And we encourage folks to subscribe, tell a friend, rate and review, and check out all the show archives, Trish, including our Gen Z podcast. That's play right. Play by play. The play by Not play. Done by, us, done by real Gen Zers, Shelly. We'll, 
we'll send you a link. Maybe you can check that out. These, these are, these are your next recruits, these two guys. And yes. uh, <laughs> check that out at hrhappyhour.net. So for our guest, Shelly Reuther from Enterprise Holdings, for Trish McFarland, my name's Steve Bose. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. And bye for now.